Coming up, how much would you pay for a 24-day dream Disney vacation? Well, coming up, we'll discuss the new Disney luxury experience, Universal Orlando's new escape rooms, Ghost Town Alive and Forbidden Frontier, and the Electric Ocean. All that and more coming up on this episode of Green Tag Theme Park in 30. Every week on Green Tag, we discuss the top theme park news from each week and why it matters to you. Welcome to the show. I'm Philip. Here at the Haunted Traction Network show, we bring Halloween to you every weekday. Green Tag is our Monday edition of the news, but we do a Halloween-only version that's coming out tomorrow. And beyond the news tomorrow, we have plenty of other treats planned for this week, including a preview of another haunted house and a chat about writing the TV show Goosebumps. You'll just have to stay tuned for those later in the week. One note regarding today's episode, something happened when we were recording and the audio on my side kind of went out, so we had to use a backup recording. It's not usually the audio quality standards that we go for. I want to air the episode anyway, because I think you can still understand what I'm saying. But if you can't understand what I'm saying, and you still want to get that type of content, you can listen to last week's episode of Green Tag. The news stories in that one are still relevant, or the week before. I still think you can understand what I'm saying, but it definitely is a little different than usual sound quality. Anyway, here's Green Tag, Theme Park in 30, for this week. From our studios in Los Angeles and Tampa, this is Green Tag, Theme Park in 30. We are back in our studios for another week of Theme Park in 30. Yep, we're back. We're live. This is well. We're not live. We're recording, but we're back in our home, uh, our home studios, and uh, getting stuff done in in the in the week. And um, yeah, so I'm glad to be back. I haven't seen, Philip and I haven't seen each other in a while. We uh, before we started the show, we were actually just chatting and catching up and going through all kinds of stuff. We always say we should record those, and then we mm. realize no, we probably shouldn't. No, it wouldn't be a good idea. Scott, I have a question for you. What is the question, Philip? How much would you pay? for a 24-night Disney Parks Around the World tour. Every Disney Park, 24 nights, how much you, would you pay for that? Oh, my Lord. Uh, gosh. I have no idea. I I, I really... I. Well, let's see. So, considering that I just... You're like, I wouldn't go. <laughs> I, well, I, I probably... I'm not that much of a Disney file to, mm -hmm. to really say, I mean, it would be fun. And if somebody offered it to me, I'd probably take it. But um, so let me think, let me think here just for a second. Let me just do a little bit of math in my head. Cause I just came back from a cruise. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, if I could, if I can compare it to like a cruise line thing, is it all inclusive? Yes. Does it include meals and such? Yes. Okay. All meals, all hotel nights, travel as well Air between trip. the destinations, everything is included. Okay. Uh, 24 nights. Mm -hmm. Um. Gosh, would that be? I, I would. I would guesstimate, including airfare. I would. I would guesstimate between fifty-five and sixty grand. <laughs> so double that. <laughs> A hundred and ten thousand dollars. Stupid me. I know, right? Oh, wait. I would have doubled it had you said it includes it includes um Galactic Star Cruiser. Oh, sorry. No, I don't think it does actually. <laughs> so so uh Disney Parks, um so Adventures by Disney has announced a new tour, and it's called Disney Parks Around the World, a private jet adventure. And it reads as follows. 
Embark on a bucket list adventure for 75 ultimate Disney fans. So there's limited 75 people. Okay. This dream vacation spans 24 days and covers six countries. That includes all 12 uniquely magical Disney theme parks worldwide, as well as three iconic landmarks, the Taj Mahal, the Pyramids of Giza, and the Eiffel Tower. Ah. Throughout the trip, you'll stay in world-class accommodations, including the rare opportunity to be a guest at Summit Skywalker Ranch. <laughs> Plus, they'll travel in luxury via a VIP-configured Boeing 757 <laughs> with long-range capabilities that allows for direct flights to minimize your time in each destination, maximize your time in each destination. You'll also enjoy personal access to experts and staff who provide fun and fact-filled stories, enabling you to be immersed in every location you visit. There's also a chef on the plane that you'll have access to. But the price tag is $110,000 per person. So so um, it is a little higher end than I was imagining, but still, um, $110,000 for 24 days. Yep. Yeah, it's pricey. That's pricey. Yeah. That's pricey. Now, you know, I, I think the experience would be phenomenal. And as we have said many, 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 many times on this show, there is always the next velvet rope. There's always going to be somebody who offers the next, you know, again, going back to my cruise ship experience, because that's what's on my brain. I just got off the, the Carnival mm -hmm. Mardi Gras. And um, there is there is a presidential cabin that is uh, was probably, what, six times what I paid for our cabin. Um per person and uh it, but it's lovely i mean it's a it's on top of the the bridge so it has this gigantic outdoor space that that looks out in on three sides of the ship and it's it's huge and it sells so uh, th there's no doubt that this is going to sell um there's no doubt that this is going to sell and i know there are going to be people out there who are going to say well you know the economy is a little rugged and blah 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 but one of the things that we've learned is when the economy gets rough high-end stuff does not stop happening it's the low-end stuff that stops happening because you know if it's going to if you make if you make in the you know millions or even billions of dollars 110 grand per person so say that's two so that's 220 per couple um yeah they're still going to do it because they still deserve it in their minds so um i can see this i can see this being huge i can see this I can see them doing this eventually once a month. Gosh, God, they just they just refuel it and take the next group. Oh my take God. Take the next group. But if you think about it, it's very much the cruise ship mentality. Only it's on Correct. a plane. Yeah, and it is um, roughly like one hundred and ninety dollars an hour, right? Even while you're sleeping. So that's like kind of um, crazy. Well, you're sleeping in a lovely hotel, uh, and you spent the day either at a at a Disney park or seeing the Eiffel Tower or seeing the Taj Mahal. So. Well, I think overall what this kind of got at it a little bit, but all joking aside, I, I think the, the big takeaway that I was trying to get to here is just uh, bringing up how, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that think this is a joke. I don't think it's a joke. I actually think that Disney is like seeing how far they can push the velvet rope. And I think they are just even more trying to go into that, that mentality of, you know, we, We've been talking about this for a while, but not to get too political. Obviously, everyone knows we have like a vanishing middle class, you know, kind of have like we have a lot of people that have a lot more wealth than on the bottom sector. And you're right when it comes to potential recession or stuff with gas prices, all this kind of thing. Right. There are people that are definitely unaffected by that. And so, yeah, your options are basically 
make something that is still affordable with good value to capture locals, or it is to do this thing. I'm so I think it just shows that their strategy is evolving to really try and target more and more people in that area. I also, though, I'm not sure. Honestly, I'm just not sure that um, their experience is good enough for for the people they're targeting. And I, I that would be my my valid criticism. My only kind of valid criticism is like, well, if you have enough where this is throwaway money, I'm not sure you're even going to like deal with 75 other people. Why don't you just take your private jet yourself and have a private planner that is going to do all this for you? Why are you dealing with all this nonsense? And plus, the chef on the on the plane, sure, but like the Disney restaurants, you know, like we just talked about this. The service at the Disney places is not great right now, and their uh, their restaurants are not top star restaurants. You know, these are not like Michelin star restaurants. Why would you Why would you lower your experience to go with Disney if, if you're in that space. That would be my question. And and I think that's very valid. I think that's very valid. I think just like you and I would would say, okay, I'm gonna splurge and pop down my money for a for an annual pass and then I'm gonna go do this ad on event and that ad on event. This is kind of for a for a, a socioeconomic level that's higher than than certainly mine. Um uh, this is that kind of throwaway money. This is that kind of play in the park money, I think. Um, but you're right. Why wouldn't you just hire your own and just do your own family? Because if you think about it, you know, I said per couple, but it's more likely that this is going to be for a family. So yeah. let's take your average family of four. So now we are approaching very, very quickly uh, half a mil. Yeah. Uh, family of five, we're there. So... Yeah. You know, um, you you may be right. <clears throat> it might be more cost effective to actually charter a jet and have a planner, hire a planner to do it all for yourself. Um, at the same time, though, there are still those people who have drank the Disney Kool-Aid and would much rather just say, yes. All I have to do is sign the check. I don't have to hire an outside person. I don't have to hire a chef. I don't have to worry about my plane. I don't have to make any of the reservations. I just have to, all I have to do is write a check to Disney and let you take care of it. And I promise you, they ain't going to be waiting in line for burgers and fries. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're right. The The Disney restaurants are are not stellar. However, they're still high end. And that's not that's not a slam to Disney. We were just again before the show, Philip and I were talking how restaurant service in general has kind of dropped and um, because of staffing, because of retraining, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so, but but I can promise you these people are not going to end up waiting in queue for anything. They're going to be walked on to everything. They're going to yeah. have they're going to have that that clout treatment that you may or may not be able to buy um, for this kind of price if you tried to a la carte it. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Oh, I, I agree with that. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm still kind of thinking it's a little bit flawed because to me it sounds like, it sounds like a budget luxury experience, <laughs> which, which is a little weird to say. I can't believe we're in a space where I'm saying this is a budget luxury experience, the $110,000. <laughs> but it's, but it's, it's new money versus old money. Old money would not do this. New money will. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's true. Well, and it could be a nice networking thing, you know, for other people that can afford. Oh, it, you know, yeah. hell yes! This is going to be this is going to be the uh, the ultimate. Um, 
real estate award banquet giveaway for a couple um, for some high-end company. I mean, you know, the, the number of families that are just going to say, you know what, uh, honey, let's let's write a check for half a mil and take the family on this 24-day whirlwind Disney experience. No, this is this is going to be a corporate yeah. corporate perks kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, let's switch gears a little bit. We'll talk about almost the reverse, or at least in my brain, I, I see this next story as the reverse. <laughs> um, the separate strategy, which is Universal Orlando is opening Jurassic World and Back to the Future escape rooms at CityWalk. Opening later this year in CityWalk are two escape rooms themed after some of the biggest blockbuster summer film franchises, Jurassic World and Back to the Future. In the attractions announcement, Universal said that escape rooms are being designed by some of the same minds behind the HHN houses and mazes. <laughs> yeah, we know who those are. So yeah, uh, I was like, oh, I, we know them. <laughs> we know them. Um, no, again, I, I. So I have been there every now and then. I'm going to take half a step back. Every now and then, I will randomly spew out something either on this show or on a Scott in the Dark, and it will echo back to me like four or five times throughout the course of the week. And I made a statement a couple weeks ago. Um, people are not looking for things to watch. They're looking for things to do. And that has now come back to me. It actually got me a job, which was even better. Um, but uh, it, it, that has echoed back to me now um, through several people that I really respect. And I'm still going to stand by it. This is a perfect example of it. Um, it's... It's giving us, again, a smaller, private, so it, it may not be that much on the opposite end of the spectrum here, Philip, now that I'm talking about it. It gives us a smaller, confined, controlled experience that fits a, a different budgetary category, uh, obviously, but it's one of those things that still has the perception of a velvet rope because you're not doing it with 10,000 other people. 10,000 other people may do it eventually, but you're not doing it with 10,000 other people at the time. It is you and your group escaping from the dinosaurs or um you know getting back to the future in the right the right time frame so it it falls right into line with a lot of what we've been talking about and you know to your i will agree with you that it's clearly on the opposite end of the spectrum this is a yeah. this is a value non-luxury yes. experience yes. yes um that still takes advantage of the uh the the licensing and the intellectual property that they have and that people want to see. Um, have there, have there been any, has there been any, um, any pricing announcements on these? Mm, not that I've seen, not yet. So if it's in CityWalk, my guess is this is not going to be necessarily a budget experience because CityWalk, if you look at it, um, they have to look at square footage. Yep. And the people who the people who make these big decisions are the people who make the most money, quite honestly. And they look at it and they go, "Okay, well, we've got X amount of square foot, square feet here, and so therefore it has to generate so much per square foot." And they're going to make certain that this is um, as this is going to be more profitable. This is this has to be more profitable than an emeralds. Yeah. So I'm curious. I'm curious to see. But it, but you're right. It is. It's the same mentality for a lower budget. Yeah, exactly. I, I also want to underline here some of the other things. I, I actually think this is a really good idea, and we'll see how it goes. But it's just it's funny because uh, you know being both both of us in the Halloween space, 
we know we've seen the escape route. We've seen other independent haunts also try this route, right? Where they use their skills that they developed over the year to make mazes and they have built escape rooms and they use that as a way to generate year round revenue. And they also, some places now are building the maze with that in mind so they can take some dividers out and they can turn their maze into an escape room in the off season. Mm -hmm. So I actually, I think because of that, this is a good idea, which is that you can use the assets that you have been building year round, you know, instead of throwing them away, universal throwing them away or refurbishing them or whatever, they can potentially move and relocate them into a different location and make escape rooms. Like just hypothetically speaking, you know, make an escape room out of some of the existing fabrications that they already paid for and have that running, you know, after the season. I think that would be really smart. Um, Probably won't do it, but the with concept. A of, you know. With a little bit of, with a little bit of, of insight and internal knowledge as to how yeah. Universal Orlando works, um, they, they won't do that. They don't even store the stuff most of the time. Yeah, um, yeah, I know. I'm aware. Quite often, yeah. it, just, it just hits a dumpster. Yeah. Um, so uh, even stuff that they're going to bring back the following year. Sometimes yeah, I've seen the dumpster. We'll, yes. We'll <laughs> yeah. Uh, me too. Uh, and in fact, a hundred years ago, when I was still working for for Bush Gardens, I actually tried to buy the dumpster. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, yeah, and it's no because of the licensing agreement. Can I just yeah. buy? Can I just buy that? I'll strip off all the licensing, but I just want the the walls and the the gack. And everything that's licensed, uh, you know, yeah, we'll throw that away. We'll burn that, but uh, yeah. couldn't do that either. Uh, yeah. But the but the whole idea here is, yeah, I think, yeah, I think what they're going to do here is, I think they're going to build attractions that that guests experience fifteen people at a time. Yeah, and I I also, again, it, it goes to whatever everything we've been saying. A, B, I think it it, it it's a, a new way to to attack the FOMO thing. You know, C, it's a great way, like we talked about, to lean into licensing, which is talking mm -hmm. about licensing and all that. You know, it's, it's a great way to lean into these things to get boosts for what Comcast wants. Of course, you know, Comcast, as, as we know, Comcast always wants, Comcast sees the parks as a way to improve ratings and improve viewership on their, on their, what, their IPs. That's what they see it mm -hmm. as. So this is another way to accomplish that goal, I think, over a restaurant. You know, you're right. As long as the... The margins are the same. This is a much better. It achieves all the goals instead of just, you know, you know, one and a half goals. And because of its location, guests don't even have to experience Correct. the yep. the escape room to be reminded of the the you know Back to the Future brand, which has been around a while. Hmm? Yeah. Um, and they don't so, have to have a park ticket either. They could go correct. just for that. Well, and what's interesting is you broke down, you know, you broke down the last story into what it costs per hour. And yeah. my guess is when you see pricing on this, uh, this is going to be actually more expensive than an hour in one of the parks. I disagree. Mm, well, well oh, oh, an hour in, in a park. Oh, I thought, you, park. I thought you meant like an hour on the jet. I was like, oh, I don't know if they're no, going to no, charge no, no, $200 no, no, a person. No, 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 not on the jet. No, no, no. I'm talking about if you buy, if you buy a ticket to um, IOA, to Islands of Adventure, um, and you stay there for 10 hours, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is what you're going to do most likely. Um, yeah. especially if you don't, if you don't have a pass, I mean, if you're going to buy a ticket, you're going to go get there first thing in the morning and stay until the last night of the show. Um, or you spend 30 minutes in an escape room. I'm going to guess that it's going to be a comparable per, per minute price. Yeah, I agree. I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I think that's the only way it'll work. Honestly. Um, the, and the other kind of thing I want to try together in this is I think, um, universal has definitely seen the success with their tribute store. And I think that is another 
like a maybe like a testing ground for these types of concept because the tribute store is essentially it's very similar right it's like you can't have more than 15 people in one of the themed rooms in the tribute store and they change out the themes and look at how much coverage that gets them you know it's it's like um it's starting to become similar to disney where you know disney will say we have this new taco that's out of this stand and everyone you know is like goes crazy about it well now they're like oh we've redone the tribute store and people go crazy about it they go there and it's a increased shopping experience as well and it's an opportunity for them to bring in additional merch which they have very high revenue on mm -hmm. you know like their button-up shirts which are shirts which are 70 dollars, which is pretty up there you know mm -hmm. for a button-up so I, I think this is all down that vein basically the, the same type of thing and i think it's, it's a good trend especially with what we're talking about now which is that you know you have those two targets and it seems like they're the these two kind of giants in our world at least are kind of chalking out the spaces they're going to compete in so universal studios in florida ticket price full ticket price starts at 109 dollars. so that's for a full day yeah. uh escape rooms usually run what 25 to 30 per person yep so it's actually going to be more profitable per person per hour than than a theme park ticket yep but a significantly lower throughput granted yeah yeah and a significantly lower operating expense and also one last trend i want to tie in here we've heard in in our space you know in the theme entertainment space we've heard from a lot of our colleagues scott and i both have about how they are like being given assignments you know that it used to be like we're going to build this water park we're going to build this theme park or whatever it used to be like classic theme entertainment what i'll call but now it's moving much more into the wider location-based entertainment form where you'll see people that are being hired to do a experience for a company or to do a storefront or to do redo the theming and guest experience in these other areas and i think this is universal realizing hey we have these on staff carpenters and developers and all this and we have all this extra retail space that could be improved and if it were improved we could get higher profitability with it and we already have the resources to do it so we could put these two things together and we could make a more profitable we could make our areas that we already have more profitable yes and, and considering that people are shopping less uh in brick and mortar stores this correct. makes them hang out in city walk longer yes so that uh hopefully the surrounding stores will be more profitable and they will be willing to you know dish out the high rent the university uh, universal is going to charge for them yeah okay well our next story here is also in the same vein and this is actually a write-up from Impark Magazine, and it, it's it's just describing the, the events here. It's called The Power of Audience Agency, <laughs> Ken Parks and Cedar Fair's Landmark Experiences. I'm not. I'm just going to read a bit of the introduction, then we can talk about it. But I do suggest, if you're curious about these events, that you read the full article, because it is a great, uh, not only Q&A, but a great like a history about these events that kind of goes to exactly what we've been talking about, which is kind of the audience uh, engagement here and it reads ghost town alive is an immersive entertainment experience that opened in 2016 at knott's berry farm between themed events shows and interactive encounters ghost town alive presents an unfolding story of the wild west a cosplay setting where guests play a primary role in the outcome of a fictional town in calico each day this pioneering attraction was honored with a thea award for outstanding achievement in 2018 and then in 2019 cedar point also a cedar fair property debuted a similar experience called Forbidden Frontier on Adventure Island. It focuses on two warring clans seeking riches. 
Both of these experiences are returning for the 2022 season, which is why we're talking about it. And they're open on select days during the summer. They are both already open. And just to clarify, this Ghost Town Live has now been couched under the kind of um, umbrella event of the summer festival happening at Knott's, whereas previously it was its own like build event, but now it's under the umbrella. And the umbrella includes the concert series, includes all this stuff. And the same with the uh, Forbidden Frontier, but they're both returning back for 2022. So yeah, what do you think, Scott? I, I Well, so now, now it's my turn to fanboy a little bit. Mm. Um, I've, I've been lucky enough to work with Ken Parks on a couple of different projects, and um, and I continue to work with uh, several of the of the Cedar Fair properties on a couple of different things. And first, let me tell you, and this is not just me sucking up. So Ken, if you're listening, I'm I'm I'm. This comes from the heart. I think it's Ken Parks is a genius. I think Ken Parks is an absolute genius, and I love the way he approaches things. Um, working with him is always a joy because he makes me better. Um, and I learn from him, and I think that we yes and each other into something really exciting. I had nothing to do with Ghost Town Alive, but boy, I wish I did, because when I experienced it the first time, I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And it is um, in incredibly intelligent, super low-tech, and relies on great performances and clever improvisational moments between guests and performers. And... Um, this is this is this is Ken's wheelhouse. This is where he lives, uh, lives, sleeps, and breathes. And so I am so excited that these are successful for them. I'm excited that they're coming back. I honestly believe they were ahead of their time when they mm -hmm. first started. And I, I think now, and I think now they have not only defined what is possible, but um, are now going to become the 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 keystones in where immersive and interactive, this kind of immersive and interactive entertainment can go and should go. And one of the things that I would recommend, if you're looking at this going, yeah, but this is, you know, this is Cedar Fair, this is Knott's, this is, you know, we can't afford that. We're just a small little humble park. Go, go experience it, yeah. go experience it. And it's, this is a perfect opportunity to see where creativity and, um, and theatrical intelligence supersedes budget. Um, cause there's nothing that happens in ghost town, uh, in ghost town alive. Now I've not experienced the, the forbidden frontier, but there's nothing that happens in ghost town alive that can't be done by anybody. If they have the right creative mind behind it, because you have to create what I refer to as a story sphere. It's not a storyline. It's a story sphere with latitude and longitude lines. So you get from the North pole to the South pole, but you don't know, not everybody goes in the same path. And sometimes they cross over and, and diverge. So it takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of training and it takes exactly the right cast. So that may be, may make it more difficult for some of you, um, especially in our staffing challenged world that we live in. Uh, but that said, it does not require high tech, uh, electronics. It does not require uh, a bunch of animatronics. It does not require an intellectual property. Um, mm -hmm. it is creating your own unique fully immersive guest experience. So I, like I said, I'm fanboying a little bit because I just think the, both, I, well, again, the one that I've experienced, which is Ghost Town Alive, is great. And and Ken is just, Ken's brilliant. So that's about, that I'll stop because now I'm just gushing. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I, I'm glad you mentioned the staffing thing because I, I did want to kind of mention that was kind of my takeaway in terms of the impact of the trends we've seen is that I, I was, not that I was, too surprised but i was uh, i guess a tiny bit surprised in that like 
it is so staffing intensive. And this, this is an experience that doesn't cost a lot in infrastructure. It costs a lot in staffing because these performers sell it all. They sell the whole thing. And it's basically like you're hiring an improv theater troupe to come in for a show and they're a performing huge the show. Improv just, theater troupe. Yeah. A huge improv theater troupe. And their and their stage is the, the ghost town space, right? right? So you have to but it's that whole thing that goes into a show. Like imagine putting a whole show in a theater, but but so it's the same work involved. And I think uh that's what makes it tricky. And that also is what makes it expensive on the staff side just now at this current moment in time. And but Anyway, that's just my thing. I want to get one last story in, which is kind of another foil to this story, which is what SeaWorld Orlando is doing. So we've seen from Disney kind of targeting the high end and making this jet experience. We've seen Universal doing these escape rooms. So they're experimenting with new things and low throughput. And of course, the Cedar Fair Parks are bringing back this highly immersive improv situation. Orlando is going the traditional route, it seems, with Electric Ocean returning. And colors, music, and delights abound at SeaWorld Orlando's event featuring returning for its sixth year with special shows, fireworks, limited edition menu through September 5th. During the day, they get new menu items. They also have electric ocean uh, entertainment options for entertain for people to enjoy. They have Elmo and Sesame Street Pals at Elmo Rocks at the Nautilus Theater. And then new this year is the Night Tales Sorry, new this year is the Rescue Tales Night Vision show. Its counterpart, Rescue Tales, began last year sharing the story of SeaWorld's conservation ambassadors, animal care, and rescue. While this show is still available during the day, the evening set has been reworked and reinvented, featuring nocturnal creatures, both cuddly and crawly. So, seems like a basic uh, summer event. I'm glad it's coming back. I'm not trying to diss it. I'm just saying it seems like this is it's a standard recipe where you have the food and you have the exclusive entertainment. I am happy that it's live entertainment that's coming back. They are pushing live entertainment. There's a new show and they're involving the uh, animal conservation as well into the evening show. So what do you think, Scott? Well, I think SeaWorld Parks Entertainment um, throughout its history, and again, full transparency for those of you who, you know, have been, mm -hmm. haven't listened to the show ever before. Uh, I worked for SeaWorld Parks Entertainment at Bush Gardens in Tampa. I was there for 21 years and um, SeaWorld Parks Entertainment or Bush Entertainment Corporation or whatever it's been called throughout the years has always been a bit more on the conservative side when it came when it comes to what they're offering. Um, that has worked to the company's advantage in many, many cases and to the company's disadvantage in a few situations. Um, in this particular situation, I think this is the right thing to do because again, it's offering a point of difference. One of the one of the biggest challenges I see with the, the large theme park chains is for so many years, they kept chasing each other's tail. And it was, somebody's gonna do something, so somebody else is gonna try to do it, but they're gonna try to do it with their own personal twist. And what ends up happening is they end up muddying what was done originally and they don't have the infrastructure to do what was done originally. You know, you can't do, like, for example, you can't do Ghost Town Alive at SeaWorld Orlando because mm -hmm. there is no ghost town. It doesn't make mm -hmm. sense. You, mm -hmm. you don't have that asset. So to continue to build upon um, what they've already had success with and to have, we'll call this the comfort food of a theme park experience, you know, yes. that continues to focus on what they do have, which is animals and conservation and a heartfelt message and an important heartfelt message. I think that is a wise choice for them. I think it's wise because they're not trying to be Disney. They're not trying to be Universal. They're trying to be SeaWorld Orlando and or SeaWorld, you know, any of the other SeaWorld parks. Um, 
I think that is where this is going to provide them with a great deal of success because it will provide variety to the guests. Well, on that note, we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, guys, once again, thank you all so much for watching and or listening. And uh, hopefully you do get stuff out of this each week. On behalf of Philip Hernandez and myself, this is Green Tag Theme Park in 30, and we will see you or talk at you next week. Okay, and that's it for today. We'll catch you back here tomorrow for our weekly roundup of Haunt News. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Luis Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant. Our partner stations include A Scott in the Dark, Scare Track, The Scare Factor, and Haunt Topic Radio. Finally, please, please, please rate and subscribe to our show wherever you're listening. And until next time, Haunters, stay scary. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.